Hello, therapists, non-therapists, and everyone in between. My name is Ian Hammonds, and my love bucket is full. And this is Therapy <laughs> on Tap. Inside joke. I'm here having a drink with fellow Austin, Texas therapist Patrick Harris and Hayden Lindsay and our amazing guest, whom I will introduce here shortly. This is the most authentic way we know how to talk about therapy in a relaxed, non-judgmental environment, pint by pint, champagne cork by champagne cork. We are obviously deprived of a pub given the current pandemic. Hopefully it's wrapping itself up pretty soon. Um, This is not a promotion of drinking, but instead humanizing the field of therapy the best way that humans can while sharing a space. So before we dive right in, let's do our usual check-in. How is everybody doing? We had some some words right before we started. Um, but yeah, how's everybody doing? <laughs> you make it sound like we had a fun. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Oh my goodness! I kind of realized that afterward. I'm like, oh yeah, no, we were we were not. We you know what we did? Other. We took those words and we put it in the love bucket, <laughs> and we kept it. We carried it along with us the rest of the day. I bet you're not going to let me live that one down the rest of the episode, are you, Patrick? So I found my next tattoo. It's a bucket that says love bucket, <laughs> <laughs> and it's full. Well, how's everybody doing? My love bucket has a hole in it. Oh no! <laughs> like that box that Andy Samberg sang about. <laughs> uh, we're off to a great start. I'm good. Thank you for asking. I had a um, a busy week and uh, a lot of ups and downs. A little bit of a roller coaster, but um, happy to be here with y'all on Friday, headed into the weekend, and. Maybe do some paddle boarding. Bust out the speedo this weekend if it's warm enough. I saw that you got a new custom speedo. I did. <laughs> did Care you share? I, I did. My uh, my friend Don Emmons, who uh, uh, better known as Winker, is a uh, a local legend. <laughs> uh, huge in the music. In, that's Winker with an I. Not to be confused with Henry Winkler. Not to be confused. Fonzie. <laughs> Winker, he's a, a a lovely man, and uh, been here for a couple decades. Uh, big in the music scene, uh, his work has been featured in the uh, all over. I think he's got a lot of photos uh, at the is it Wyndham, uh, the one of the hotels here in town. Oh, the one that's right around the corner. Is it all like Texas themed stuff? Yeah, yeah, wow. it's all super his, dope. Uh, all his photos. So um, that's legit. He's a buddy of mine. We hang out at the Broken Spoke and some of the, the other honky-tonk places in town, and he's kind of my hero. So I put his face on a Speedo. and um, The front or the back? Uh, it's on the front, and then on the back it says, don't touch my winker. <laughs> we should make, we could put this in the show notes. I didn't expect to talk about this today, but I... Um, just fell out. Just uh, came right out of the love bucket. Uh, fell that, out of your that Speedo. Was, that was an ice apocalypse purchase. Uh, I was uh, staying with a, a friend, hunkering down and having some wine, and oh, good. I don't know why. Uh, you know, I woke up the next day with a, uh, a Winker Speedo on the way. So, what other heroes have you immortalized on Speedos? He's the he's the first one. Um, <laughs> okay, this is you know we're, we're drinking out of a, a custom mug here, our therapy on tap mug. So I, I think maybe the the idea of customizing my my clothing and uh, is, is a relatively new idea to me. So, but you have one with John Gottman's face on it too, don't you? I do. Yes. <laughs> um, not a sponsor. Yes. Yet. 
I like so he's he's got a nice sized <laughs> nose and and it really accentuates. So our guest just straight up walked out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's going to so be the three of us for the sorry. rest of the episode. <laughs> so let's go around and tell me about your favorite speedo. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever worn a speedo. It's very liberating. I did have a man thong that I thought it was funny to wear. Somebody gave it to me when I was in high school because, to no surprise to anyone, I was in marching band, which I know it was tough keeping the ladies away when you march tuba, but somebody had given me, like, a man thong that had, like, rhinestones all the way around it, and I thought it was funny. If you've ever, like, been in marching band, you wear these, like, overall things, right? And I would just wear that under my overalls and uh, feel uh, sexy and versatile all day long, but... No, no speedos. Um, um, you had a marching band thong. Am I hearing you um, <laughs> reflect and yeah, I validate? I don't know why I wasn't more popular in high now school. Now that you summarize it, it, it really, yeah, he actually like just a whale that. tail type situation. More like a, it was literally just like a piece of fabric. Okay, that went all the way around. Um, wow, it was a you birthday still, present. You still have it? I think I do actually. It could be a nice piece of memorabilia one day when this, <laughs> when this really takes off. Do you ever see basketball, like Matt Stone and Trey Parker's original thing where they had all yeah, the straps like lined up? Yes. Uh, could do something yeah, like that. Very nice. For the podcast. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Is any of this usable? <laughs> I, know, I feel so bad for a producer. Uh, my week has been good. It was, uh, I'm not sure when this will get released, but it was St. Patrick's Day week, which is my namesake, and I've always enjoyed a good uh, St. Patrick's Day outing. Obviously, with COVID, it was a little bit different. There weren't the big 4th Street block parties, but it was still pretty enjoyable. What else did I do? Hayden turned me on to this new business that, that does custom-tailored suits. So I got a oh, suit. Yeah. to I bought a suit and a vacuum all in the same week. So I've never felt more adult. Adulting, really. Can yeah. I just say that when y'all were messaging, we have like a, a Facebook chat, group chat for this podcast, and y'all kept like blowing up my phone. And <laughs> all y'all were talking about was Love y'all's suits. new suits. And I was like in session, and I kept seeing my phone light up, and I looked over, and it was just nothing but like Indochino, 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 Indochino. <laughs> and I'm, Who is I just, not a sponsor. I finally, yet. yes, I finally just turned my phone over and <laughs> just like, okay, I'm, that's very distracting. Um, but yeah, but how are you doing, ma'am? Um, my week has not been as exciting as the previous conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough act to follow, isn't it? Um, I'm tired and I'm happy that it's Friday. Um, yeah. Didn't do anything for St. Patrick's Day. Actually, that's not true. I worked. I saw mm. clients on St. Patrick's yeah. Day and the days before that and the day after that. Mm-hmm. So, what better way to celebrate the Irish working and working and drinking and fighting and fighting? <laughs> we won't go there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of the same, honestly. Like I. I felt bad that my partner, he made these reservations for this French restaurant downtown and I had had a long day of it on Friday, on on Wednesday for St. Patrick's Day. And then, you know, he surprised me and he's trying to be spontaneous and he's like, yeah, we got reservations. I think it's called Peche. 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 Yeah. And it was there. And he was, it's next to Fado. Which is kind of random. It's like it's a French restaurant on St. Patrick's Day. But it looked really nice. And I just, I got ready. And I'm like, oh, you're surprising me. Okay. So I literally ended my session, hopped in the shower, got out. We're about to leave. And I'm just like, babe, 
I can't. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but it just that same like I worked through it and I worked the next day and so um that should tell y'all how eventful my week was. <laughs> so They're one of the few places in Austin that that have one of those old school uh oh crap, what's it called? There's there's one in New Orleans. Love bucket. Absinthe. They have oh. one of those old school like absinthe <laughs> pours. Uh, really? you can bring your love bucket. But yeah, uh, you know, like the really fun, you know, the one on off Bourbon Street that's like this really bomb ass like absinthe bar yes. and they have all the fancy like pouring things. Mm-hmm. Pesha is the only place in Austin that I think Interesting. has Interesting. I have a solid, you're talking about the old absinthe house. Yeah. yeah so Damn. solid old absinthe house story if, now if I, you're interested. I should have just drank a Red Bull and just gone that night and <laughs> just tossed Intro- back some Introvert bourbon. problems. Yeah, no, seriously, I'm a hard, hard introvert, so... When I'm tapped out and I don't have any more energy, like I, it's really, really hard for me to put on a, a an extrovert face. So that was pretty much my week. But let's introduce our topic today. And our guest. Um, drum roll, please. <laughs> Wait, should I bust out the... No. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's the introduction sound. <laughs> So our uh, amazing, <laughs> amazing, fabulous guest today, therapist, oh, right. educator, advocate, Dr. Summer Allen. Do I call you Dr. Summer or Dr. Allen? How about just Summer? Summer? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Informal. So uh, Summer uh, attained her PhD in counselor education and supervision from University of Texas, San Antonio. She runs her own private practice, which you can access via drsummerallen.com. Um, I was just telling them earlier, I could not think of a better guest. I was doing research and I'm just like, this woman is super established and has really made a name for herself. And um, so, yeah, I just, I, I, for this particular podcast, especially, I'm glad that you're here. Um, but welcome. How are you doing today? I know we already did the check-in, but... Yeah. Do I have to answer that again? No, you don't. You don't have to. <laughs> Unless it's changed after yeah. the uh, yeah. Speedo story, Which the New Orleans story. I, I know. A lot of factors have come into play. Of, the yeah. quote-unquote Dennis Rodman yeah. story. Um, I do like to ask, though, um, every guest that we have, what what brought you to therapy? What, what, what got you into that? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. I wanted to help people. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can help people. And my thinking was around quality of life and creating space for people, supporting people, um, non-judgmental approaches, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not, I don't know that that always happens, but, um, you know, that kind of uh, human giving back is what Mm -hmm. turned me on to this field. Amazing. So you do reunification work. Um, tell us, I mean, I, I'm, I have so many questions, so I will not put on my Barbara Walters wig and <laughs> interrogate the crap out of you like I've done before. But I mean, just, I, I'm so curious about how you branded yourself with that. I mean, cause you are, you were one of the only people in Austin who does that work. Yeah. I may not be sane. Um, it, <laughs> It's difficult work. It's rewarding. It's difficult. So, what yeah. do you want to know? What it is? Sure. What it's like Go what? For it. What would be helpful? Yeah. Like, what? Tell us for maybe the the non therapists out there who listen. Like, what exactly is reunification work? Yeah. So, because all of us know. <laughs> do do I, you all know? <laughs> I, I, I don't. I know. Uh, let's let's just say I know exactly what y'all think. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Has someone Googled reunification <laughs> therapy lately? <laughs> I mean, 
Um, yeah, so reunification therapy is designed to help um, individuals within a, in the family that have experienced some sort of estrangement or fracture mm. um, that maybe they feel is beyond repair. Generally, one person thinks it's beyond repair. And so a reunification therapist comes in and just helps facilitate that process. You may not know this. It's a form of family therapy. Mm-hmm. Some people don't. They think it's individual because you do individual work. Right. Um, the goal is for it not to be individual forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's to, mm-hmm. to bring the estranged person in. So so it's a systemic approach. It, it sounds, from what I little I know about it, it, it sounds a lot like collaborative law. Um, so like you, you bring in, do you bring like an, do you bring in a team really of like any other people like doing the work aside from just yourself or is it all just on you? Um, Um, it is very much collaborative, um, very much in the legal wheelhouse. I work very closely with attorneys and the domestic relations office. Those are my, um, probably my closest people that I work with. In terms of other therapists, so it's an interesting thing. I'm not the individual therapist for, it's usually a child and a parent most often. Mm -hmm. I'm not the individual therapist for the child or the parent. The child often has their own therapist, and then my focus, I do see the kid individually, weekly, um, so I'm definitely in close contact with that person's therapist, Usually the parents have an individual therapist as well. So there there are other people involved, definitely. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, I just, I have to say how impressed I am because that that's of all the different kinds of therapy that there are, that sounds like probably the most taxing, if not one of the most. So yeah, just the fact that you can just shoulder all of that at one time is just amazing to me. And I'm sure, like I, I, yeah, I'm sure you make a huge difference, really, whether or not it feels like it every day. But I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. So, yeah, well, we we invited you here today to really kind of um, collaborate um, on a conversation about what it means to be a therapist and an entre- entrepreneur, um, or really, um, as we kind of coined the term, therapreneurship. It's not copywritten yet, but we're working on it. It's a portmanteau. Portmanteau, okay. Which itself is a portmanteau. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you so know what else is a portmanteau? What? Your Speedo? <laughs> speedo might be a portmanteau. <laughs> Podcast. That's true. It's a blend of iPod and broadcast. broadcast. The more you know. Just like therapreneurship is a blend of, of therapy. therapy and entrepreneurship okay <laughs> i'm a little 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 quicker than you give me credit for there hayden um but yeah i mean what is therapreneurship since it's a portmanteau um what does it all mean to us that that you have to be a business person and a therapist Anybody can start. <laughs> it sucks. I don't know. But. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's confusing. Yeah, it is. I took... Also, I feel like therapists just kind of come in wanting to understand and empathize and stuff. So that's just like a perfect recipe to get taken advantage of in the business world yes. or to mm-hmm. like take a little off the top, be like, oh, okay, let me give a little bit more. And, and that comes into play with um, office-based negotiations or like contracts if you're working with people or contracts if you're working for people or... Uh, anything like it's it's 
a difficult space to be in, especially since we don't necessarily get training in it. I had one, I think it was called like fundamentals of private practice in my master's program. And it was an elective and I just randomly took it and it was all business stuff, but nothing like that usable or practical. It was just more of like an overview of like an introduction of how you would start a practice. And we spent the majority of the time like filling out like forms or creating forms and documents, not so much like this is how you find office space. This is how you should know your market or, you know, find your niche and find your place in town based on that and all this other stuff that, that seems intuitive to the people that know it, but obviously not to therapists. Yeah. I feel like there should be a, a required class like in grad school on nothing but starting your own business or being a savvy. Cause the only person that ever told us about any of this stuff, when it comes to finding your own office space, paying taxes quarterly if you're 1099 versus W-2. The only person who ever taught us in our program was our, we keep going back to him, Mr. Hartzell, our ethics professor, and he was a lawyer. He wasn't a therapist. So um, Mm -hmm. it just, it was very telling. It's so when when I graduated and had to go into practice for myself, I was a freaking fish out of water. I didn't know the first move that I had to make and, you know, we're, we're not by nature really that businessy as people, you know, to a lot of us, maybe not you guys, but a lot of us are more introverted and it's what? hard for us to, <laughs> I am a super introvert. You think therapists in general are introverted? That's what I've noticed. Really? But yeah. But that could just, that's probably just my own wishful thinking. It's the people wishful. you're drawing in with that's your own true. introversion. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. my, bo- I have two bosses. One's a super hard introvert. The other one is a very <laughs> gregarious extrovert. So yeah, it is, it's all kind of open, but I mean, just the, the understanding of, of therapy in general, we don't really walk into it looking at it from a business perspective. Um, so yeah. And hopefully this podcast will just wake some people up out there to, you know, the therapist or people studying to be therapists. Like we deserve to do well for ourselves, you know, like we, we deserve to be, be comfortable because the work that we do is just so incredibly important. Um, it's called the false consensus effect of overestimating the number of introverts based on the one we just talked about this in my intro to site class last night. Oh, is that where you were Googling over there? I, I, <laughs> I was pulling out my lecture slides from last night. You would think I would actually know this stuff, but interesting. Wow. So I have, okay. I mean, I'm, my mind is blown. Cause I guess in, in my, my biased way of thinking, I was like, yeah, most people, most therapists are introverted and, Apparently, thank you the for the false consensus effect. The false consensus effect. Well, but I do agree. I feel like the majority of therapists that I've met are, in fact, introverts. And I find myself becoming more introverted as the years go on, especially at the pandemic. Now that things are like slowly opening up, and I've been very fortunate enough to be vaccinated, and I'm starting to, to fill up my social calendar again, Like it's causing me so much anxiety, and it's so draining. Mm-hmm. Like We went on a double date not too long ago, and it's like, oh my god. Like the whole day I was like, how do I cancel this? How do I get out of this? And really? I'm there and I'm like, uh, I'm just anxious to get home, which is not me. Like I, I'm in desperate need of attention nonstop. So it's happening is, to me too. I am uh, the rare extrovert therapist mm-hmm. and I'm the same way now. I'm like, uh, I think I, I'm just going to be at home. I will read a book. Do you want to go? <laughs> do you want to have drinks? Do you want to go to dinner? No, I'm busy doing nothing. I'm <laughs> not hanging out with you. Right. I think, yeah. If I just could have a, a place to go home and sleep and shower, I would probably never live there. I'm 
extroverted. Extra extroverted. I like being out. So the pandemic didn't change that for you? Because it's shifting it for me. Well, it made me, uh, you know, obviously conform to all the, the... the regulations, but it didn't, it didn't, as far as what I would rather be doing has not, if anything, it has exploded my, like, can we music festivals and concerts and yep. ah, it's hurried up. Exactly. <laughs> I have yeah. to rein it in a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe on a, on a side note, I feel like you're as if you're a uh, therapist who identifies as more extroverted, I, I, feel like with you guys, it's maybe not as much of a struggle to have like a full caseload than it is me because yeah, I could see that. Oh, like at the end of a long work day, like at eight, like just like I, I told y'all, I think the, the day I had where I had to cancel plans with my fiance on St. Patrick's Day, I think I only, I only had six people that day, but I was still just tapped out. So, I mean, just the fact that you guys can just go, go, go. Um, I just, I, I envy it because I can't be that way. So, yeah. Go back to your original question. What mm-hmm. is therapreneurship? Yes. And, and in the process of therapy, something I've been thinking more and more about is bringing self into the, the therapy room or the, uh, the creative use of self. And I think for me anyway, therapreneurship is sort of a way of bringing that outside of the room and into the, into the public sphere where um, I can I can kind of show off my personality, kind of like we're doing on, on this podcast, where we're mm-hmm. showing up as as humans, as professionals, yes, but humans first. Um, and uh, I think we can do we can do that in our marketing. Which um, one reason I think that th- this approach benefits clients and therapists is it bridges the the trust gap. So if I can show up in a public space as myself and um, kind of help the uh, help ease some anxiety about the process of therapy and uh, make a connection somewhere out there that that reduces the gap between and, there, and there's so much misinformation out here about about what therapy is. Um, so I, I think if I can if I can bridge the the trust gap with a client, that's a, a before they even pick up the phone, that's a, a win win for me. So bridging the gap, really. So kind of, kind of that goes back to our first episode, re-recorded, um, where we we kind of first episode, right? So my first episode, we we talked about how um, <clears throat> there was this like mystification of therapy, and your you kind of bridging that gap kind of takes away the mystique for it. Yeah, uh, and I was talking about sort of the double-edged sword of therapy is that it takes place behind closed doors, uh, and that's because of confidentiality, and we we strive to create that that sacred space. But it also makes it a thing that you know is very much sequestered, and uh, and so I like this idea of being able to to honor and create that sacred space on on the on the one hand with, with the client in the room, and then to kind of bring it bring myself out of the room. Uh, through my marketing and my outreach and, and my advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just so happens that, that that happens to be a nice business model because people see you and, but, but it, it's not salesy in the, I think what turns us, turns a lot of us off from business, uh, business. And I, um, you mentioned, we don't, we don't get a lot of business training. I was actually like actively avoiding <laughs> business education. I, you know, I had some opportunities and, college and uh to take some business courses and 
not only did it not appeal to me, uh, I was kind of afraid of it in a way. I, I, I thought that this was going to, uh, I had such a negative view of money and, and business that it really, um, I thought it was going to corrupt me. And so I started to turn a corner internally when I, I realized that marketing and putting yourself out there is not about the sleazy, like convincing people to give you money. It's about bridging the gap between. <laughs> eh, I'm just kidding. Ian just, just pulled kidding. out a money clip and it's super <laughs> uncomfortable because there's just a lot of cash in there. <laughs> it's a, a donation t- box. Yes. Right. Um, I wish this is, uh, let's take this time to send our viewers to our Patreon. <laughs> oh yeah. I started a Patreon. We just got to actually, it's for student loans, student loans. We also started a podcast, which is therapy underscore. We we're on the podcast right now. We started an Instagram. Do you know, do you know where that you are? Tell you. <laughs> like, Who's the president? Who am I? What we am started I? a podcast for we our s- podcast. Where we we review the episodes. We just record Instagram. <laughs> A podcast Instagram. <laughs> Jesus. I remember the following five words. Man, person. Man, woman, person, camera. We Who's our president right Instagram. now? <laughs> we started an Instagram therapy underscore one underscore tap underscore podcast. Go follow us. <laughs> Summer looks so Thank uncomfortable. You. <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time finding that. <laughs> I know, right? It's not very catchy. Um I'm just kidding. Speaking of marketing, I mean, right. branding and names. And- <laughs> right, exactly. The actual name is is catchy, but not the the naming that out loud. <laughs> Therapy underscore podcast underscore. <laughs> but to your so. point, like the the demystifying, to I did underscore the point to, to underscore <laughs> uh, to highlight and italicize the point. I do, uh, I do appreciate the perspective of just kind of like demystifying, like normalizing the advertising because there's I. I've seen, I don't know, I think it's probably like correlated with COVID, but uh, a lot more, I've also might've thrown off my algorithm, but like a lot more advertisements for therapy and mental health stuff, like Mm -hmm. on Facebook or Instagram. And it's a lot of just like people like really hyping it up or it's like celebrities have gotten into like advertising for like better help or those Mm -hmm. things. Yep. Uh, And it just like it, that comes off as like really salesy and Mm -hmm. like really, uh, I don't know. There's no sense of connection or invitation. It's like, I have this product. You want this product. You've heard about this product. Yeah. You should probably come get this product from us. Which is not what therapy is. Well, there's that trust factor. It's, yeah. it's who, who, who are you? And I, I like that. I, I think on the whole, that is, you know, hopefully destigmatizing. Uh, but as far as like connecting with a potential provider, that, that marketing doesn't necessarily do anything for me. But it's like, kind of a wide net. Yeah. Hopefully, you know. But to like, to that point too is I did notice one time I made like a dumb two minute video, like advertising my services of like, this is me. And I made it all quirky and I put like these little like text things. It's like, look at all these books I put off to the side of the shot so I can look smarter or something like that. And like it, I had a significant bump in referrals after that. than just like bios, I fucking hate writing bios, like any type of like profile or whatever, because everybody says the same fucking thing. I'm here to hold space. (laughs) for you and hey now uh, that's what i said when I you practice. asked me why I went into this field. <laughs> <laughs> that's not why i'm saying it i'm just Wait saying well, sorry, right. is well. but it'll be like i i want to show help up people. every day and i've been i knew since i popped out of the vagina that i want to be a therapist that connects to the community or it'll be like really self like uh like 
I I have the skills that you need and you should uh, come to me like th- that yeah. weird like gross like stuff and uh, I I feel like videos are just so much more authentic so I'm glad that they're getting more popular but there's a fine line between like authenticity and just like shameless uncomfortable self promotion yeah, mm-hmm. it's a double edged sword for sure cuz I um some so I I'm a big follower of RuPaul's Drag Race and a lot of the drag queens on there are on like the 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 therapy commercials like I think betterhelp.com if I'm not mistaken is everybody they had uh Haley I think it's Haley Williams from Paramore and I kept yeah. looking at her I was like is this a therapist like why does she look so familiar right. yep singer from Paramore is doing commercials but at the same I mean I'm glad that people are kind of wising up more and realizing like you know therapy is actually a great idea to do I mean people are really putting their mental health first I think but I hear that about the there's that hesitation of it's it's a little impersonal and I think it needs to be more of like the the one-on-one connection or people kind of need to feel safe um so or just see how you operate like you don't really get that from a bio like this is just like words you don't see how people talk or mm-hmm. hold the, or carry themselves or compose themselves like that's that's right. a lot too well yeah. i blame grad school though if you think about it you know this very rigid be careful with self-disclosure yeah. you have your professional yes. self you have your personal self and i teach full-time so i know why we teach that but when people graduate i think they don't they don't understand that the personal self is also the professional self. And the difference is just there are certain things you're not going to talk about regarding your personal life, but you still need to show up as you. Right. I mean, you're, you're not not yourself. I think that's a, that is a difficult learning curve that people stumble through. Yeah, the radical int- or radical authenticity, I yeah. think. And a lot of therapists practice it. Kudos to them because, I yeah, there's – there's such a, I will say though, and I think this kind of goes back to our, one of our first podcasts of like choosing to what, dis, what to self-disclose, I mm-hmm. think. And, you know, what about your life? Do you not want your therapy? Do, do you not want your clients to show it all, uh, to know at all? I think. Um, so yeah, it is. It's a very kind of delicate, fine line. There was actually, I um, made a post about, you know, if you're a therapist, leave a comment on the biggest struggle that you've had um, as a therapist in this profession. And one of them just really stuck out to me. Um, She said that I have removed my identity on my personal social media as a therapist. I don't want people knowing that I'm a therapist anymore. And that um, I keep that that work balance. She's like, because I'm so petrified of it. Um, I'm I'm petrified of saying the wrong thing in a personal mm-hmm. setting, mm-hmm. and then it gets back to my my state's licensing board. Because being a therapist is not a goddamn identity. Like a lot right. of people make it seem to be, and that's why they yes. get all these no. fucking soapboxes and high horses in these like uh, Facebook platforms where they're just like judging and being condescending. It's mm-hmm. because like they're a therapist first, and then their personality and character kind of which is that. bullshit. Yeah. No. I keep it out of my dating life okay i don't need (laughs) i don't need um people in my dating life knowing that i'm a therapist but i'm much more on the radical authenticity side with my clients and Mm -hmm. that feels really good to me and i feel like i do better work when i'm just me Mm -hmm. and myself and my authentic self doesn't walk in and share everything about my life anyway, anyway with right. someone that I don't have that type of relationship you have exactly with. Boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's called boundaries. Those, yep. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really fair point of like, it's like you're your most authentic self in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you're naming, you know, what am I feeling right now? Like 
for me, this, you know, just as an example, like what comes forward for me right now is, or I'm feeling your sadness right now as you kind of sit here, people respond really well to that. Yeah. You know, mm. they don't respond well to a therapist, just blank slate, cold block of ice. And I think that makes us, I think, a little bit more marketable, to be honest, is that, you know, people like just sitting here, I can tell, I would refer a client to all three of you guys. Well, I'll refer you all to clients who, you know, when, when y'all have space for them, but, um, yeah, no. And I just, I'll make space for them if they come from you. <laughs> I 40 clients. Full. That's what I, we're I here for, full. making space. Is <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend throws a fit because I keep saying that I'm full and I keep taking on more people. Your love bucket is full? Or your- <laughs> <laughs> no, my client load is full. My client load and my love your bucket are... bucket uh, and your love bucket. Are two separate two buckets. Two separate buckets. <laughs> okay, okay. That's a separate conversation. I could see this anything. going in a different direction. Was, we might, yeah. might want to make a U-turn. <laughs> All right, so the drinking game for this episode is every time summer is uncomfortable, take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm only uncomfortable because <laughs> you're doing this for your podcast. <laughs> By the way, what are we all drinking here? I know I I, I took this oh, from yeah. you. Anytime there's a really intimate moment, Summer oh, Hayden okay. will, will like the, diffuse the it by asking everyone, what is everyone drinking? Well, I'm drinking Strawberry Fields from Carbach Brewing out of Houston, Texas. Nice. Lovely uh, strawberry blonde like me. No. <laughs> My beard is strawberry blonde. Complete with a beard scratch, mm. as you said. <laughs> Can you hear this? Are you picking this up? It's like the ASMR. 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 Right. Patrick, what about you? <laughs> um, I forgot to get beer, but I'm also trying to just nurse one drink because I'm lying to myself that I'm going to work out after this. But I also ran out of good stuff. So it's I think it's two different rums. <laughs> And a splash of lemon vodka and passion fruit <laughs> juice, and it's oh, like excellent. it's like a poor man's hurricane. So it's not, not too bad. Oh, delicious. some grenadine in there too. It tastes, it tastes like a hangover. It does. <laughs> yeah. it, it tastes like I'm not gonna like myself tomorrow. No, because you actually made me the same drink, right? No, yours is, is two is different. Like? One type of strawberry cream coconut rum. I think like a normal Ooh. coconut rum. A splash of. Whipped cream vodka and a splash of almond milk. And I'm driving home tonight. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Which side side story? Um, when we were here during the snowstorm, we got it a little bit into your Kahlua, just a little bit, because I wanted to put it in my coffee. So if you notice, <laughs> if it went from like this to the, this, like it's because you got to top it off with water, like you oh, do with no. your parents. Like I'll just buy you a new bottle. <laughs> back in high school. Summer, what are you drinking? I am drinking not something as fancy as you all are. Tufts IPA. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a really good one. And Patrick, Tufts you're University means an, makes an IPA. <laughs> no. that's I, am not in, I am not endorsing the university. Sorry, <laughs> I'm talking about uh, neither of which are sponsors. <laughs> oh, thank you. Alrighty. Speaking of the ice storm, Summer came to my anxiety rescue and yep. checked on my place in the middle of the night. I made a simple request that, Aww. like, hey, at some point, and you, like, got up and left, like, that moment. Well, I thought you meant you needed immediate <laughs> assistance. And wh- what did I open this with? I believe in humanitarianism I like, and helping. Like and that's help. why I'm here. <laughs> See, it's pervasive. 
It was so nice. Like, seriously. Well, we so... have, uh, as a thank you, a Therapy on Tap Speedo. Um, <laughs> I, I hope we got the size right. On the front, it has our logo, and on the back, it has Hayden's face. So, just in time for summer. <laughs> I love that you said you hope you got the size right. <laughs> just in time for summer. To where or the season? <laughs> what, what is going on here? I think this is going really well. <laughs> I was going to say, we are way off topic here. Um, how about we talk about therapists as givers? I think that's a, that's, that's a huge point that I, I want to maybe kind of talk about. Um, is that okay with everybody? Please, please talk about okay, anything yeah, else. So we can fucking change the subject. Okay. Wait, so, so just one more thing about Speedos. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> so therapists by nature are very giving people. We are very humanitarian. We are very nurturing and those people tend to um run the risk of giving so much of themselves to other people that they um they run the risk of getting taken advantage of maybe not so much by their clients but maybe by the places that they work Mm -hmm. and i will reel it in because i have several uh juicy stories which i'll probably share with you guys after we stop recording um about kind of the nightmares of Mm. private practice what goes into it and uh, yeah i've been at really really good practices and i've been to some not so great ones and um, what were the not so great? I'm not going to tell you. I, I pushed stop. We're not recording anymore. What? Whatever. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, tell. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about just how we're, we're we we run the risk of just by by our personality types of being um, taken advantage of. Really. So. Well, skills take. I think if we're thinking about therapists being givers. And using that umbrella, then what we're assuming is that other therapists would never take advantage of us. Mm. And that is just not mm. true. I mean, we're not all what? that. Sorry. Sorry. There are asshole therapists. There yes. are. There are some therapists that are just <laughs> Can not Can you name people. them for us? I, no, I like my career. <laughs> no, no, some are, <laughs> not name them for Summer, us. I stopped recording. You can tell. <laughs> Don't listen oh, okay. to him, please. <laughs> I was actually just, yeah, I, I just had lunch with your boss, Patrick, and she she spilled some tea about some past stuff that she's gone through, and not we, past stuff that I've done. No, no, no. <laughs> but it was it was past stuff that both of us kind of bonded over, and we both just had this conversation. Like, there are people out there that are emotionally like twelve or mm-hmm. thirteen, and that will just really slime you or really do something just mean or cutthroat. And I know that that y'all are probably more referencing uh, like group practices and, and organizations like that. But I, I started my career in LMHAs, like local mental health authorities. And that's just uh, a cesspool of toxicity. Sure. I feel like people, mm-hmm. uh, it attracts like people that are inexperienced or fresh out of school or looking to, to get that first step in their career because they hire just about anybody. And then so people get the experience and tend to leave. And those that, that aren't uh, proficient or are that like, have the emotional intelligence of like a wet napkin. Like they're the ones that end up staying and climbing the ranks and they just create these like toxic teams and toxic feedback. And I think I remember sharing on one of the episodes where I talked about, uh, we were staffing a client that was requesting like a different gender therapist because they had like a a sexual trauma history with Mm -hmm. the identified therapist gender. And they were like, Nope, sucks to be them. Like they just have to deal with it. We don't have a a free therapist. And Mm -hmm. it's like, what the fuck is happening? Like this is the mental health authority. Uh, and it's just, it's super unfortunate. I was very surprised and I came to find out that it seems like some 
there's different like boats, right? Like I think people come into this career because they're truly altruistic and they truly want to make a difference and help people. And I feel like there's another boat where it's people that are trying to make sense of past traumas or trying Mm -hmm. to resolve their own stuff or like go into it for looking for an explanation and then just happen upon the field and they're doing a lot of damage. Um, And then there's like people that think they're going to make a lot of money. Then they're just like sadly surprised that they Mm -hmm. don't. (laughs) Very sadly surprised. I've worked in agency settings too. And I, I experienced quite a bit of disillusionment because when I Mm. decided to go into this profession, I was thinking this would be my tribe. I mean, I almost thought being a therapist was an identity because I think so much of it does align with my personal values. And I mean, that's okay. Shocked the hell out of me to see some mental health professionals functioning and behaving the way that they were. I just didn't think that was a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think the rule of thumb that I have is that, so being in the private practice circuit, especially in a city like Austin, you have to market yourself. I mean, you, you do, mm-hmm. you, you have to know people who you automatically know are going to be good fits for your clients. And if you don't like someone, if you think, if you experience that person as emotionally unintelligent or cutthroat or what have you, you're not going to refer them many people I don't think if you don't if you like someone you'll want to refer them clients but if you don't like that's that's my thing is yeah likability I think is very very key which is linked to safety like I feel I feel safe with everyone need to feel safe with us they need to like us I think so yeah hey thinking of marketability I actually use a different spin on marketing that I could share I think niche building is actually the first step that needs to happen and the marketing will take care of itself. Mm. And I know that this is counter to what a lot of people talk about. They talk about, you know, a nice website and a nice video and an introduction and all of these things. Um, My experience has been really establishing my niche and I don't actually do any marketing. I zero zero marketing. My niche markets itself. And I, I think also networking and relationships. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware that I have a really, really narrow niche. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's something to think about when you're thinking about marketability and building your practice. Um, Such a huge point. I'm yeah. So it, that. Yeah, I just look at it that the marketing will take care of itself. I do network, but I don't market. And I see those as two really different things. Help. I'm... I have an idea of the difference, but I, I'm help me understand what the difference between networking yeah. and marketing is. Because you say you don't market, but your t-shirt says visit drsummerallen.com. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, this was just the shirt I put on today. <laughs> this whole thing. <laughs> right, this little thing. This, this is my Monday through Sunday shirt. <laughs> um, yeah, so when I think of marketing, I think of putting all this time and energy into a really nice website and business cards and just kind of, it does feel inauthentic in a way. Like I really need to go and, and spread this message that I'm accepting clients. And when I think of networking, I'm all about relationship building. So for me, networking takes care of the marketing issue. I don't need to let people know that I'm accepting clients. I don't need to send them to my website unless they ask. I build mm-hmm. relationships and then that's actually a referral exchange source, I think. Um, and I pair that with service. 
I have this mm-hmm. theory that any good business begins with service. And if you're engaged yeah. in altruism and service, the universe will somehow take care of you. It's taking care of me just fine. Mm-hmm. So I don't mess with the marketing. Mm-hmm. I just like to build relationships with people. So relationships is your marketing, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's so cool. Or like a, a, the relationship is first and then the the, the uh, everything else is kind of a byproduct. Yeah. The bells and whistles yep. really kind of are, you know, that's that's the cherry on like having a nice website or a nice video or what have you. Like that's that's all secondary, but Wow. That's like sense. when you get a, a cold uh, LinkedIn message or whatever, and you, you 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 can tell that this person is like connecting, quote unquote. I did air quotes to the microphone. I know you can't. Can you? Is this picking up? Uh, <laughs> but the 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 relationship is kind of secondary to the you know the the end goal versus I'm going to build relationships, and these relationships will nourish me in a lot of different ways. I feel I feel very yeah. nourished by my professional community here speaking i'm i'm you mentioned having a linkedin linkedin is not a sponsor yes but um i have a linkedin really ju- i guess just to have one and this is my this is my inbox so i'm showing see it. of all of, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's turn up your volume and you might be able no, to see it's, I also <laughs> called them viewers. it's a bunch of these inauthentic messages of people just going hey glad to connect oh my dad messaged me on linkedin that's not good <laughs> it says he ran out of gas on 35 no it says his his phone died today oops okay <laughs> moving on <laughs> um but that's true because we, we were talking about in our find a, how to find a therapist episode that I, I posed the question, like, I wonder, you know, we're spending so much money on being on this platform to advertise therapists and this like database and this catalog, like how much are our clients actually like, is the layperson one know that these exist uh, and two, like going to them and combing through them and not just saying like, I want somebody in this zip code and this gender and I have this problem. Okay, first person on the list, that's who I'm going to call. Like, who's actually, like, combing through all these and watching mm-hmm. our videos and seeing our cool websites that we're putting so much time and money and effort into? Uh, I like this perspective more, that it's a lot about that connection in yeah. the community. It's, yeah, that changes the game, I think. And I the, fit think ten- the fit tends to be better. Uh, yeah. You know, I've gotten some of those clients that just find me randomly. Back- I actually took down my psychology today. Uh, profile for that reason it's uh when people are at that stage they're basically like flipping through the the white uh the yellow pages it's the Mm -hmm. modern day modern day equivalent whereas if i can build a relationship over time through whatever it is however you market or network um that i just find that the people who find me kind of in that way are better fits. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't just like it's more personalized. Throw, throw, a, yeah. throw a dart at a, and, and come up with my name. Well, I only refer to people that I know personally. I'm, yeah. I mean, it's just, I think that's a good practice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can gauge the relationship. I know the personality type based on my interaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think if we put more focus on relationship building, the rest, I, really believe will come. But I also struggle with like professional networking with therapists for the reason we were talking about earlier, just kind of like that inauthenticity or that like I'm a therapist by identity. 
situation. Like I've gone to like happy hours or therapist networking stuff and it's just a bunch of people using their fake therapist voice of like, hi, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so counseling. Tell oh, I, I don't yourself. do it like that. Do you have a fake therapist voice? Tell me about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how does it feel that we just had an introduction, right? <laughs> like this is such a safe space for you to just really tell me about the clients that you see. Can we talk about what you're experiencing right now? <laughs> now, I, maybe I should clarify. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, the relationship building that I'm referring to is much more organic mm-hmm. in nature. So, um, Hayden, we talked about the workshop. So mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, do you, I'm happy to help. Do you want to help? Okay, sure. Let's get on zoom. So I'm not going to events. I'm not showing up at places like that. Mm-hmm. Mine is like service. Um, and altruism really does guide my, like me personally and professionally. And so I connect to people by helping or consulting or answering questions. Mm-hmm. And then that to me, the, the return on that, and that's not why I'm doing it, but I've just seen that that's how the re, the return ends up working. Maybe that helps. I'm not going to events. I don't <laughs> like that. It feels so inauthentic to me Yeah, to even show up like that. Hi, I'm so-and-so, and these are the types of clients I take, mm-hmm. you know? They're super weird. Yeah, because they're not I they're not authentic. They're not <laughs> organic. They're not really us. No, but I'm I'm glad that you clarified that because I, I have benefited from that. Like I, I still tend to not talk to therapists, but there's been times where like I've had a question that's led to a relationship or I posted something or responded to something and that led to a connection mm-hmm. or somebody staffing an old case and then it's always like, Oh, by the way, like what kind of clients do you see or what is your thing? And I don't think I've ever not gotten a referral that way, like at least one, which has been super flattering, but um but it is a lot more authentic than the networking stuff. Yeah. Which I'm glad that that's one of the positive outcomes of the pandemic is not having to deal with networks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. There's a difference between community and network. Mm-hmm. I think I, I do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I do a lot of community building and there's some, some overlap there. Um, but the uh, community nourishes me in, in a lot of different ways. Um, and a lot of those people are, on my referral network. Well, so another thing that just kind of popped up um, is our work is a way of marketing ourselves. I think it's a way of networking. Um, People come to us and then, you know, they want to tell their friends about you. And then before you know it, you're like pretty much fully booked. And it's because your work kind of speaks for itself. Like people can catch wind of it, even though Mm -hmm. it's very, intimate and and confidential thing that you do um if other people hear about you through your own clients like that's that's also a way of kind of just spreading your message and getting people to come to you i think i saw a tweet the other day that was like you should be able to leave reviews for other people's therapists oh gosh that would be so good (laughs) me so much anxiety way less of an asshole since he started seeing summer patrick (laughs) He's been a little, little more of an asshole since he started Whoa. seeing Ian. Yeah, but so. Ian, I think you're talking about authenticity. I mean, that's... Yeah. I, I was talking to my administrative assistant who made some mistakes, and I was being as patient and kind as I could be. Um, but what I explained was, this isn't okay. I don't have a product or a service. I am the product. Like, mm-hmm. th- this can't happen like this. Um, and so when I think about the therapist being the product, if we're thinking about marketing, mm-hmm. well, then the only real 
route to take is just the route that's you, the authentic yeah. you, and the connecting you and the community. The use of self. You. Yeah. 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 People, people will pay to be around you or be or like just be in the, the presence of your own self, I think. So, yeah. so huge. I want to go back to summer. You mentioned something about niche carving or oh, digging. Yeah. What, how does Is it niche it? or niche or niche? I say niche. 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 Frederick Nietzsche. Maybe I'm not saying it You're right. You're the doctor. I don't know. We'll trust you. <laughs> that doesn't mean a whole lot. <laughs> niche um, niche? Yeah, find out how we should be uh, pronouncing this. Niche. Because I can see both sides to that. I, I have such a... Can you hear this? Niche. Ne- but but do we you have spelled to s- it niche. Do we have to say it that no, slowly? That's, that's the phonetic spelling. But niche. 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 <laughs> I'm going to stick with Niche. This feels like we're at a seance. Niches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> it's borrowed from the French niche, from Old French niche, from Vichy, niche, make a nest. Okay, so nest building. Nest building. Oh, yes. I like that. Okay, I do too. Nest building. They're a nest. Because there's, there's both, I feel like I heard professors on both sides of the, the fence of like, you should carve out your, your niche or niche like early on like niche. carve out your path <laughs> carve out your nest and stick to that <laughs> path and build yourself off of that mm-hmm. and then there's other people it's like well you don't want to pigeonhole yourself so still like open yourself up and take a variety of clients or expose yourself otherwise you're not going to get a steady referral stream or you're not going to get enough clients if you're too specialized mm-hmm. um, so what what's your perspective on that I'm pretty damn specialized, and I do not have a shortage of clients. We so think I, you're pretty damn special, too. <laughs> That's why we invited you here today. Um, you're, I, you're exposing yourself to multiple clients? <laughs> <laughs> Radical authenticity, Hayden. Look it up. At least wear a Speedo, damn. Excuse me, I need to go contact the licensing board. <laughs> I'll be right back. There, there are speed dial one. Um, I see both sides of it. I can only speak to what's worked for me. I certainly think that there's a need for generalists. However, when you think about clients looking for a therapist, flipping through 82 psychology today, not profiles, but pages of profiles, mm-hmm. and everybody says anxiety, depression, trauma. That's all it is. That's all like any of it is. That's, that's just everything. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't, how are you setting yourself apart? I, I'm, I think we're all very special people and I think we're unique and I think we're so special and we're so unique that we're not that different in our uniqueness. And so when people are looking, it all looks the same. And this is where I think really focusing something. Now, my specialty is really, really narrow. I don't think it needs to be as narrow as what I'm doing. I do other stuff too. I do high conflict custody cases. So it's still in that wheelhouse. It's not only reunification therapy. And what's happened from that um, is now I get a ton of referrals for teens that are not in high conflict or reunification. And I said I would never work with kids. Me too. (laughs) Ever, ever, ever. And I saw one teenager about four years ago. It's powerful. Yes. I was in heaven and I felt so good. And I just felt like, okay, this is right. Uh, and so they, I have that niche that's built, it's building itself, if that makes sense. I don't know. I'm yeah. all about the nest building. Yeah. It's kind of uh, the, when you said building itself, it's like, I think of like crystals or sort of, we talk about 
crystallizing. We use that in colloquially, like things are starting to crystallize. Mm-hmm. Crystals are self-organizing structures. So you kind of follow your, uh, uh, whatever it is, your, your, your gut or this, this interest. And then that's sort of the seed for the crystal. And then it sort of builds around that. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was the image I got. Well, I like the self of therapist. That's that you were talking about because mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. I mean, my practice has really flourished when I just kind of let go mm-hmm. and I just followed what I enjoyed doing. Fine, I'm great with teens. I'll take the teens. Yes, reunification work is difficult. I like it. I believe in it. It's difficult. It's a need. And so just some something about letting go, mm-hmm. j- it's like everything started building and growing on its own. I heard that. So someone actually told me that the first year I was licensed and I was like struggling. Like I was working in a hospital and working as a realtor on the side. And then I was trying, you know, amidst all of that, I was trying to get my private practice going. And someone said, you know, like I, I approached someone at my practice like, you know, tell me about marketing. And they said, I don't do any marketing. Like it just, it, it happened the way it was supposed to. And I, she's like, I think the number one thing I can tell you is know what sets you apart and that work will speak Mm -hmm. for itself. So yeah, yeah. I could not agree with that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, that makes me think of another kind of thing I, I wanted to bring up and we're all kind of talking about psychology today and, you know, marketing yourself online and everything. Um, Patrick's not here right now, but, um, we'll get his opinion in a second, but what's in the bathroom? He's in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, what's everyone's opinion on social media and, um, you know, advertising yourself through Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, talk amongst yourselves. I already told you I don't do any marketing. I don't have time. Right. To make an Instagram or a different Facebook. I mean, I'm, I just don't. And I think even if I did have more time, I would, I still believe that the extra time I have, if I put that back into the community, mm. it's coming back tenfold. And mm-hmm. for me, I just don't think putting my practice on Instagram or on Facebook is giving to the community. So I'm really talking about altruism. I'm not anti-social media for therapists. I have Just friends that do you. it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Some of know. my best friends have Instagram. Hmm. Are they therapists? I, no. Oh, okay. Am I your best friend? Because <laughs> I have Instagram. We're talking about therapists and marketing on social media. This might be a good time yes. to talk about uh, the Therapy on Tap Instagram. Underscore, underscore, underscore. At underscore. We started a podcast. I mean, Instagram podcast. Um. Earlier we mentioned, you know, that that giving nature of therapists that can be taken advantage of in terms of like employers, um, but also that giving nature, I do find myself being super bad about charging for no shows and like late cancellations and just like normalizing that or like over justifying. It's like, well, it is their third time, but they have a lot going on or, oh, well, this person like really did legitimately forget or I am fucking horrible me too i struggle with that every single yeah that's 
But I mean, it's your time when we have to remember, like, that's the time that we set aside that another client could have come. And mm-hmm. if that client was sliding skill, like another client could have been there that was full rate and could have made your, 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 full, yeah. So, but I, I relate to that, relate to that kind of internal battle, but I brought up kind of what, um, when you were over there, that's um, the magic of podcasting. I peed and no one even knew it's pronounced iPod. Oh, iPod. Sorry. No, we heard iPodding. We heard it though. No, um, I do cry. These when... mics are really sensitive. <laughs> they are pick up across they're, the house. They're really um, good mics. But no, I, I I was wondering maybe y'all's feedback. I I guess I'm bringing it up right now about social media because I do a fuck ton of it. Um, and I had kind of a moment where I was like, this hasn't gotten me. This has gotten me maybe two clients in like mm-hmm. the past maybe two years that I've been. I love your stuff though. Thank you. And um, another a perk about it is that like people who are paying me, you know, a bunch of money to basically listen to me talk. Why don't I just use, why don't I, um, you know, have a place to, you know, advertise my messages. Um, so one person really established in the therapist community, she has like 7,000 followers on Instagram. Um, you know, we refer to each other back and forth. I asked her, what are your thoughts on, you know, I mean, you're obviously doing really well on your, on your, your social, all of your social media. She said, you probably will not get a single referral, but you, that's a way of relationship building. Like Mm -hmm. other therapists out there see, what you post and what you're about and they will know that um, they'll know someone who would probably be a good fit for you. So, but I think the main takeaway from that is like, you know, it's, it's not, it's great to have, but it's not necessary. So, so summer was telling us on the break um, about how much you like to advocate for the newly licensed therapist out there that, a lot of supervisors tend to be very exploit exploitative of, is that the right word? Um, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I fortunately, I'm, I'm happy to say that I've, I have not had a supervisor that really kind of drug me through the ringer, but I know several people close to me um, that have. And so I, I want to appreciate you for even forming an entity to fight against that and shed some light because so often the baby therapists get taken advantage of all too often. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I really appreciate you for, for forming that group and that, that force, I think. What, what is the, the driving force behind that? Cause there seems like there's just so like many areas that, uh, supervisor can take advantage of a supervisee because there's like the weird practice that like so uh lpc i guess their associates now like can't take direct payments and in some cases like clients will pay the supervisor who then chooses to pay the supervisee so there's like weird stuff there and then there's the fee that they charge and then the schedule that they're on and signing off on stuff so is there like one specific thing that just like really sticks to you or is it just the culmination of this idea that people are being taken advantage of. Um, <laughs> Your face I, I can, is so red right now. I bet it is. This is amazing. <laughs> this is a this topic is very special to me. I'm no longer an LPC. I, it was an intern when I was temporarily licensed. I spent two years advocating for the change from intern to associate. It should nice. not have taken two years for that, but it took me two years to get that oh done. Oh my gosh! Mm. I yeah. heard about this. Thank you. 
Yeah. Um, tears in my eyes right now. Sorry. This is, tears are not what I'm experiencing no, at this moment. <laughs> I, tears of happiness for, for on my part for you. So. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I'm obviously not an associate. I'm an LPC. I'll be an LPC supervisor next July. I'll be eligible. And so it's a matter of principle to me. <clears throat> the exploitation of um, newly licensed counselors by those with more experience is sickening to me. Mm. Um, the fact that our state licensing board is complicit in that is even more alarming. Um, every professional member on our state licensing board is a supervisor. There are anti-competitive issues. <laughs> How many members are there on the board? I feel like I should know this. Um, I should probably know that since I do so much advocacy. I um, picture like eight elders. I don't know why. <laughs> no, like I, I was thinking somewhere more like five to seven or so. And so you have your professional members and then you have your public members. Right, okay. And uh, the professional members are, to my knowledge, all LPC supervisors and so they benefit from oppressive rules, and they pass oppressive rules, and they will not change the rules. This seems so out of character for somebody in a position of power to benefit from their position. Of power. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I was like, "Are you joking? <laughs> this is America." I feel like people in power and politics always do what's right, right? It, it's like, it's this a, is rare a rare thing. <laughs> it is so rare. Um, yeah, so it's the principle. Um, it is saddening and maddening to me. We should be lifting up our newly licensed professionals. They are colleagues. They are the future of the profession. Mm. Um, what we are doing to them now is going to impact what types of LPCs and LPC supervisors they choose to be. I would like to be on the side of nurturing them and growing them, not oppressing them and silencing them. I think we're we're all taking that in right now because I think we're all either victims of what you're talking about or know very close people who are. Um, and yeah, I think yeah, there's just, just so much potential for damage. So there's there's yes. like very Multiple intentional levels. damage that they yeah. can do, and then there's like, like financial. Yeah, like I'm thinking back to my supervision, like never once did I get a compliment or like I would get reassurance that I wasn't sucking, but never once was my supervisor ever like, that was a good move or that was a good thing that you did or you're on a, a good path with this. It was always like, do you think about this? Have we considered mm -hmm. it this way? Have we did like, which I feel like is necessary, but to have a balance because I was just anxious every time of like, oh crap, what am I going to get pointed at for doing wrong this time? And it's like you dreaded going every Yeah, week. it wasn't a fun thing. At least Sometimes they were asking questions. I mean, there's a lot of supervisors out there that don't even bother asking questions. They're just collecting money for your services. Yeah, that's actually when they showed up because they canceled a lot too. Yeah. But. I, I should actually for a moment just stop and thank the good LPC supervisors out there. Those All people, five of them. That's. <laughs> I was thinking five and a half, but... Um, no, there are excellent supervisors out there. However, we do have a culture in Texas and actually across the country, it's pervasive, um, of almost kind of like eating our young. It's rather pred yeah. predatory. Mm. And I think that those of us here sitting at this table, even we have an opportunity, uh, and an obligation to begin to, to force a cultural shift because these individuals cannot hold these positions forever. So. Mm -hmm. And there's a direct line for me from what 
what you're talking about here with the the the, the exploitation um, and the advocacy for change to our overarching topic, which is the the therapeneurship, because being a therapeneur for, for me is about finding my voice and finding my unique gift. And if I'm being kind of silenced and, and oppressed in this, uh, um, in, uh, and not nurtured, uh, in this, um, uh, training process or, uh, associate intern process, uh, that that's sort of antithetical. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on, on maybe the link between, this supervision problem and uh, therapeneurship? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I think that newly uh, or provisionally licensed, however you want to refer to it, the associates are in a really difficult position um, because our board rules prohibit them from owning and operating a private practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, I I won't go off into this, but it's a violation of federal law that our licensing board is engaged in, and they just don't care because they don't have to, Mm. I suppose, until someone sues them Mm. at some point. Um, So I think what happens is associates are put in this weird place where they're operating as private practice owners. They are recruiting Mm -hmm. for clients. They're marketing for clients. They're 1099. They're not supposed to be for tax purposes. Um, and they're trying to build a practice, but they're 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 doing it under someone that oftentimes they don't really even trust, and is mm. taking an exorbitant amount of their yes. money. Yep. And so it's like, well, how do you engage in this process of niche building and getting really excited about like your journey that's coming up, Ian? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you even feel that energy? Bringing your full self into the the work when yep. you know, you reveal yourself and it gets smashed down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, a, a thriving associate is a really beautiful thing. It's not a threatening thing. Yeah. It's yeah. not a, it's not a competition. Nope. So yeah, I, I don't know that I have the answer for that. I just know that, that it's gotta be difficult to try to build a thriving practice when you are in fact functioning like a private practice owner mm-hmm. Two little things yeah. say you can't. That's a weird, uh, as you're saying, it uh, really validates my experience. I really feel like I I struggled under supervision, and then it's like the second I got out of it, nothing really changed in here except that I I felt like I could be more myself, and yeah. it wasn't... It's more um, freedom. Yeah, yeah I, I, um, I, I really appreciated uh, my supervisor, and I, I don't consider her one of the, the exploitative ones, but there was some mental block for me in like, I've got, literally, your name is attached to this person and their license, and and um, and so I, I think I maybe conflated the, the, the need to reflect her with like the need to, like I want to reflect her and her values mm-hmm. uh, because I appreciate that about her, but she and I are not the same person. And, and so I, I think I, for, for the years that I was under supervision, I was really trying to make myself more like her mm-hmm. rather than being myself and, and learning from her. And, and um, so just something about getting, ha- having like deleting her name from underneath my business card really, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Made you feel I, like your own person. I, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, like 
Yes. Like deleting yes. all your ex's pictures on Facebook. You just right. feel so empowered. It's like, it's like putting do not answer <laughs> as someone's name in your phone. I'm my, I'm my own person. Um, 100%. Yeah. And I really appreciate you. That I felt a cleansing rain wash over me. Like, yeah, I'm my, my own person. And um, yeah, I can be a little out there at times. And so, you know, having to rein that in for someone else's, or at least my my perceived benefit, um, I think it ended up, you know, come back to the creative use of self. It's like I'm suppressing self to maintain the, the to stay safe under supervision, essentially. Mm-hmm. And even then, I mean, how can you if you're in an oppressive environment and your your supervisor is taking advantage of you? How can you grow? How can you you don't have any confidence in yourself and in and what you would like to do, not necessarily what your supervisor would like to do. And so if you're not confident and if you're being berated every single week or just ghosted, um, <laughs> you know, you, you are, um, you're not going to feel valued as a clinician and we already make such shit money in the very beginning. You know, how can someone who has to work a 40 hour a week job like myself be a functioning, um, therapist in the very beginning of their practice and, and, you know, see two, three people a week starting off. I will say, I will not say this was not a licensed supervisor of mine, but it was a training environment. I'm not going to say the, the actual place where it happened or what situation I was in, but it was a training. And the person who was watch, I had to record myself in these sessions and the person watching it was like, Oh, 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 Ian. And then she looked, she looked, she looked at me and I was like shocked. And I mean, honestly, at that point I was, I was kind of used to it already. Even just me saying, I was used to abuse. Um, but she looked at my face right again. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) She looked at me and then she saw like how crushed I was. And she's like, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. And in that exact tone. Oh God. <laughs> so yes. Oh. Um, not laughing at you. I'm laughing at your chosen interventions. I'm, I'm <laughs> li- I am actually laughing at you is basically what she was uh, saying. I wasn't wow. fucking laughing. That's gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. This, you were still in school or this was like a like professional training. I don't want to say. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Yeah. And you know, the, just the fact that you don't even want to say, and of course we're professionals, so we don't want to call out agencies or people by name. We're not idiots. That's not how yeah. we have more professional integrity than that. Um, at least when I'm being recorded. Also, <laughs> I mean, I share these things privately, right? I will vent and use people's names and agencies, but even now, yeah. you're you don't even want to give any sort of indication around your status, your licensure status at the time of this event, because we have this culture here that mm. is yeah. the, the the oppression is really, 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 really pervasive. I think it's dangerous too. So, Hayden, you're talking about how you felt like um, when you got your supervisor's name off of your card, you, you were just free. Yeah, you, I'm Hayden. Right, like you right, can just be yeah. yourself. Oh, well, this is terrifying. Now you're going to be out here totally free in yourself without any oversight. The only oversight you had was when you were in a contrived situation being someone you weren't. Yes. Right. What can we do to, to just be bring ourself in while mm-hmm. we're under supervision, because it might yeah. be a little bit scary to explore that without help. Yeah. This is where consultation and community comes in, mm-hmm. I think. Beautiful. Yeah. And also, I mean, just it's 
it's not, I'm not missed. Um, how do I put it? Uh, the irony is not lost on me that you're here talking about therapreneurship. And I think people listening to this podcast will hear you and hear where you come from and how you're sitting here empowering all three of us actually. And, and I think people are going to realize like, I don't have to suppress and oppress myself Mm -hmm. to make a buck. Nope. You know, I, I, I can be my full self and obviously I can use these empirically supported, um, treatment modalities, but you know, I don't have to take abuse. Um, and I think that's so, so important for, for people just in any type but of situation. But it's also like that power dynamic. Like it feels mm-hmm. like you don't have a choice because maybe this is the only supervisor that you can afford, or this is the only one that can match your schedule, or this is the only one like, or you work for an agency and they provide free supervision. So you get roped into it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe they're holding hours over your head and they won't sign off on them if you leave because they do that too all the time. Oh my God. The board rule requires supervisors to submit hours within 30 days of the termination of the supervision. And then if they don't do that, you can file a board complaint that will take, oh, I don't know how long for them to rectify. You'll be an LPC supervisor. <laughs> Maybe by the time get around to checking that person out. Now, now, in all seriousness, though, with, with uh, Behavioral Health Executive Council taking over, they have significantly improved um, complaint processing times, and they really are working on fixing this. So we have good things going in that area. The culture is still... Mm-hmm. how do we fix that yeah. and for those of you that are listening that aren't therapists and you've still remained listening this entire time to a topic God, you're not familiar you. with but like Hi, mom what we're talking about like <laughs> interns and associates like to be a therapist like you have to go get your master's degree and then you pass a licensing exam unless you're a social worker i think they do it afterwards but there's this period like post-graduation before you're fully licensed where you have to submit all your paperwork and you're essentially working under the supervision of a fully licensed clinician for two years that, for yeah it's roughly like our, two our years equivalent of and residencies you, yeah. you have to pay them too yeah like, and that's the the shitty part is you're making the least amount of money that you will yep. in your career but you're also right. spending the most because supervision costs anywhere i think the lowest i've ever heard was 75 dollars, and the most mm-hmm. i've ever heard somebody spend was like 200 dollars. the and most per week oh per week okay i was yeah. gonna say because not I've per month six. and so like think of like your tiny paycheck Um, chances are you might not even be doing therapy full time because you still have to have another side gig to pay the bills. And then you're paying like this exorbitant fee every week. It is fucking miserable. And then to be taken advantage of in those situations, it's lawyers and dentists and doctors don't have, I, I, I'm sure there's a, there's a fair amount of bureaucracy, I think to, to become barred or, you know, to, to become a licensed physician, but I don't ever, I used to work at a hospital where I would handle a lot of the, the doctors and their, um, what's the internship residency residency, residency. Mm-hmm. and they, I, he's looking at me cause I dropped out of med school. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm but an they, they didn't have these kinds of stories to share. They were just like, yeah, got, you know, passed the test and you know, became, yeah, but they have their own abuse. Like they do. that's its own little, yeah. I don't want to minimize their, their stuff. I'm just with, you don't compare suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't take it like that. No, I think I you're either. making a good point. Um, just therapists are undervalued. Like very, very undervalued. And, you know, some recent data that I collected from LPC Associates of Texas, the organization and the, the license holders, I mean, some alarming things were going on um, when you started looking at their income. I mean, we're talking under minimum wage after they're paying 
for supervision. Uh, fee splitting, which is unethical. American Counseling Association tells you it's mm. unethical. Fee That's splitting. Oh, yes. Um, that is unethical. Anyway, my point being, we have um, valuable mental health professionals, LPC associates, non-fully licensed individuals that are capable and competent and should be investing their time and their energy into niche building, marketing, mm-hmm. if they like, if they want to participate in that community, whatever the approach is. What it shouldn't be is what Ian said, like I got surviving. used to the abuse, right? Yeah. Like, that's not what this should be. Well, and, and the client benefits from from that liberation, if I can call it that, just the, the so much of what we're asking our clients to do is be more authentic and to break these kind of generational patterns and and so if I'm in a power differential with my, my supervisor and, and that is a, a, a messed up dynamic, as a therapist, I go into a power differential with my client, yeah. uh, how much of that gets perpetuated, I, I wonder. So I, I think it can only benefit uh, the clients and access to care to have more of these uh, very competent young professionals, not provisionally licensed, but still very competent. Um, and there's just so much need out there. Um, it, it's a, it's, it, it becomes a win-win. So I, I wonder who, I guess right now it's the, the, the supervisors who are, uh, winning. Um, but I want, I, I want to, not, not for long, I was gonna say not, not for long. Uh, LPC trickle down economics. <laughs> LPC associates of Texas is advocating and advocating hardcore. Got some strong relationships yep. with some uh, state representatives and senators across Texas um, that very much are aware and in shock of some of these practices. And right. so it's not that we want to disempower supervisors. I don't think that we empower people by disempowering others. Um, equity and mm. parity and, and lifting up and, and growing and promoting and nurturing um, is the goal and the aim. But I think therapeneurship, you know, just kind of the, theme of the topic for the day is also what drives some people. Cause I've, I've had colleagues or people that I've known that are like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try to be a supervisor next year. And it's like, but you're a shitty therapist. Like how are you going to be <laughs> like, but people are driven to it. Cause it's a, it's an extra income stream or right? it's an extra like yeah. revenue stream. Oh, and yeah. not so the, much that like the shadow side of the, yeah. The like it's not so much that like yeah. I've gained enough knowledge and wisdom that I mm-hmm. want to pass down or mm-hmm. I have this like altruistic goal of like helping therapists because I struggled when I was an associate uh, it's just like some people go into it strictly because it's an extra income. I think so. Yeah. I mean, we need gatekeeping is a big part of the profession and um, gatekeeping is difficult when the, the people in charge of gatekeeping are also the people that have all the power. I mean, we've got LPC supervisors that are our professional members of the board mm-hmm. that are responsible for gatekeeping their LPC supervisor colleague. I mean, this is a difficult Thing, but it, you know, I think we are a little bit off topic. I do believe that um, therapreneurship and um, marketing or niche building and success and satisfaction in the profession is possible despite these the powers that be. terrible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we we can't lose sight of opportunity and possibility. That's just one thing that needs to be addressed. We still have to go forward in creating private practices and developing our business side and business sense. I mean, mm-hmm. there's work to be done. What a great reminder that, that we can have the, the thing that needs changing and also we can, 
and both are true. We can we we are not totally powerful, uh, but we are not totally powerless. Yeah, yeah. This is so empowering for someone who's literally about to start their private practice in like T minus <laughs> three months. All <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so thank like this. It's it's funny how like the universe just kind of works, and the fact that you're here and just giving us this amazing, just life changing information um, and perspective, really. So, yeah, wow, what a beautiful episode. Um, I, I just authentically, I. I feeling really, uh, really bittersweet right now. Um, just as far as like, I don't know, knowing that this, this season of podcasting is almost come to a conclusion. And this is one of our last episodes that we'll record as season one as brand new podcasters. Um, and also, um, our amazing guest, I mean, really summer, like, thank you for just instilling that sense of empowerment. I think in all of us that we, we so as therapists, we, we really quickly forget about that. We don't need to be taken advantage of. We, we don't need to be um, put through all these like really, really pl- problematic and exploitative systems. So yeah, I just, I have to, my authentic self like really wants to thank you for being a part of this and the, the, the content that you brought us today. So Thank you. Yeah. So, so this is the final takeaway part of the episode and what an episode it was. Um, Anybody would like to go first final takeaways. What sat with you the most? Well, I think I speak for everyone here when I say our love buckets are all full. If they weren't before, they sure as hell are now. They're overflowing. Yeah. Mine is spilling all over the table here with the, the three of you today. I'm going to go to Broken Spoke to get mine filled up. <laughs> <laughs> Not a sponsor yet. yet. I think uh, uh, one of my my big takeaways, um, let's see if I can put some words to this because it's a podcast mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't do anything else besides put words to things. Um, I don't know. Ian tried to show his phone to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I was explaining what I was showing. So you're right. <laughs> uh th- th- this for me just really uh reiterated the the um the idea of the creative use of self in uh both the therapy room and then uh you know as we wh- whether we're marketing or networking uh and just the importance of authenticity and uh, yeah i really i really appreciate that in summer i think you did Something you you did here today really hit that home for me in a in a a way that I can feel in my bones, yeah. and so I really appreciate that. You shifted. Really appreciate that nourishment. Use my fake fake therapist voice, but <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, I just echoing that. I, it's really cool meeting people that are so passionate about like improving the field. I think far too often we're either just so like done with the process by the time we get fully licensed or by the time we get out of school and it's like, let me just get my paper and let me get to my little corner and see my clients and do this until I die. Um, but it's nice showing that or seeing that there are people that are recognizing that parts of the system are broken or parts of the system could be better and you shouldn't just like settle and accept it just because it is, I mean, your intern slash uh, association or associateship period is like a very just small blip on the radar in terms of like your entire career. 
So it's really easy to be like, well, that sucked, but on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are still like hundreds and thousands of people like suffering in that position, even past your own internship experience. So I definitely appreciate you um, fighting and advocating for those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes me feel like a piece of shit, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome to help. <laughs> we need you, Patrick. Yeah. Yes. The world needs that's you. That's actually yes. why I showed up today. It was to recruit the three of you. <gasps> oh, my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I feel like I'm in the Hunger Games yeah. right now. Is this something that can be Tribute. done in a Speedo? Because that is a deal breaker for oh, God. a lot of I think we could put the advocacy messaging on the Speedo. That's true. That is a requirement of your advocacy for associates here in Texas. <laughs> we really want people to take us seriously. So Just have a big shape of Texas on like the butt cheeks. And, you know. Well, I, I wear the speedo on you know out on out on the lake here, and that's where all the the, the young people hang out. So I'm <laughs> I'm really trying to impact. You're like the creepy old man. I am the creepy. <laughs> I, I'm th- there's there's like one guy who is like me in 30 years and then there's another guy who's like me in 10 years and then another guy who's like me in 50 years and we you know I think we kind of look at each other and, and we know that's why I just kind of like paddle up to people on my kayak I'm like TikTok huh <laughs> thank you so much hey, are you on MySpace I don't know how to connect with people anymore <laughs> so uncomfortable from six feet away. Summer, what was your final takeaway from today? Was it regret? Was it regret? (laughs) Are you filled with absolute regret? Crushing regret. (laughs) Me looking for my car keys. Um, (laughs) No, I... That's a really big question. I think this reminded me of how important community really is and lifting other people up. Really, not just associates and not just LPCs but even our colleagues in other disciplines. Um, so cross-collaboration, um, empowerment, but community, community, community is what I'm leaving thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I was taught kind of growing up that you never burn bridges with people, really. And for whatever reason, that's kind of just coming up for me now. Like I could very easily have burned some bridges with some colleagues in the past, but looking back, uh, um, you know, maybe not the, the shady goings on that I think you're confronting somewhere, but, um, you know, there's been some colleagues in the past that have really done some fucked up things to me. And, um, I just kind of took it and I was, I didn't really, I took that as a signal to not interact with them. And I think this whole, this whole show kind of reminded me of just the importance of don't burn your bridges and, if someone is going to be an asshole to you, like, you know, just take that, take that with a grain of salt and keep doing what you're doing. Keep marketing and just keep being your authentic you. So, um, thank y'all for reminding me of that today. This is, uh, a far cry from last week where you were advocating violence against people who wronged you. No, I wasn't. (laughs) No, I wasn't. Burn all of not. the bridges. I don't. I don't burn bridges as much as yeah, I would love to, but I also don't like put my mental energy into bridges that aren't worth putting mental energy into. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like more operate on that philosophy of like live in such. There's a quote, and I forget who uh, it's attributed to, but live in such a way that if somebody were to speak ill of you, no one would believe it. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of like that. There's going to be assholes that talk shit about you, regardless if you're a hundred percent a solid therapist or not. And it's like yeah. I can't stop that. Like that that's out Irvin of my control. Yalom. What? Was Irvin Yalom? 
Urban Yellum's in that? No, I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think it's, it predates Yellum. I'm so excited. <laughs> no, I love Yellum, and I'm Me pretty too. sure that wasn't him. Yeah, I thank you for saying that. I have, obviously, in my quest um, for advocacy and for our profession, and then also in the work that I do, there are plenty of people that have talked shit about me and don't like what I do and they don't like what I say. Um, I don't skip a beat. I don't even pause to pay that much attention. Um, so what I think is if you want a thriving practice and you want to think about how to build things, don't be an asshole, be a good person. And the universe and the community will take care of you. I mean, it mm-hmm. just will. Got chills right now. So, Oh goodness. All right, guys, I think this about wraps it up. Thank you so much for joining us. Summer, Dr. Dr. Summer, Dr. Allen. Um, Thank you for listening to get in touch with any of us, whether you want to have conversations about therapy or whether you are in Texas and want to become our clients, please see the show notes where you can find the best ways to reach us. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and please leave us a review on Apple podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we will be back in two weeks. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye. Mm